0: Thanks for coming to hang out with us today. Ruck Up Buttercup is a podcast hosted by Deployed Love. We chat about real things that military families deal with and help you to love the call to action. So you know the drill. Ruck Up Buttercup!
1: Ruck Up Buttercup podcast can be found on all your favorite streaming location. As well, we are now available on Reese Across America Radio
0: on Fridays at 11 p.m. and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find Reese Across America Radio on the iHeartRadio app, the Odyssey app, and the TuneIn app. Just search the word Reef. Can't wait to see you there. Hey, everybody. It is Ashley. We are back with another episode for Ruck Up Buttercup. Today, it's just me fi- flying solo, um, Sabrina. If you've been listening, no know she lives in Germany, and it was a little late for her to hop on today, so... It's just me and our special guest today. We have Grace Burgess, who is a other fellow military brat. Um, I had the pleasure of being on her podcast. Oh, my goodness. I, I feel like it's almost been two years now. Um, yeah,
1: probably. <laughs> I
0: think it has been. Um, where I got to come on and talk about my experience as a military brat. But today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and let Grace introduce herself and and explain what her podcast is about. And then we'll get into detail about what we're talking about today. So welcome to the podcast, Grace.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, so yeah, I am an army brat. My dad served in the U.S. Army. It's a little bit of a complicated story, but he joined right out of high school, and um, I believe 1996, and joined the army when active duty. He spent some time in Germany. Actually, he spent some time, um, you know, on various deployments, doing various things, and then he he married my mom. Uh, he and sorry, let me backtrack. He went reserve status, and then he married my mom. Um, in a completely planned wedding while on 30-minute recall four days after September 11th. So it was very much a chaotic situation. They were in downtown Cleveland working the, you know, towers down there. Their building was evacuated because they didn't know which, you know, where was danger zones, where the plane was going to hit. There was still a question around that. And so he... He was on 30-minute recall. My mom was begging him to just go get married right then and there. Um, But he had to go to the unit, so there was no happening. But um, she was pregnant with me. They ended up getting married. And then he, two weeks later, left on deployment. Um, My mom ended up getting pregnant with my sister about a year later. uh, She was born during a second deployment. So within three years, he got married, had two kids, and had been on two deployments. So it was actually, within two years.
0: Yeah, that was a yes. chaotic time. I I remember that time very vividly as well. Um.
1: Yeah, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. So everything was crazy. Deployments for long. Yes,
1: and you have. And that typical. Right. Thankfully, his were both stateside. Oh, that's um. Cool. So we were able to. You know, I was an infant, but we were able to see him, travel to see him um, and spend time with him. And he was able to come back to Ohio for our births. Um, But then after that, they he had to have a procedure on his knee. And they said, you can either catch up with your unit who will be deployed in Iraq after your recovery or you can medically discharge. And he was like, I had all of this happen within two years of my life, two and a half years. So I'm just going <laughs> to take the discharge. And then he got the itch to go back in seven years later and went back in. So,
0: Again, I mean, that's, that's a little bit common. of... That's, <laughs> that's so, so common to
1: <laughs> It is. It's very, it's, it's very, so I feel like happen. that's a
0: very common thing, especially um, in, even in just today's world that... Right. A lot of people are getting out, but then realizing that like, oh, that steady paycheck, those benefits are really right. nice. So they're coming back in. I mean, my dad, my bio dad. So my bio dad and my stepdad, and then my step my my new stepdad, my mother. Um, they all the military. <laughs> and now my my bio parents were teenagers, um, teen pregnancy, got married, joined the military. Um. obviously they were teen teen pregnancies so, so that didn't last very long um they be, they stayed friends and stuff like that but my dad my my bio dad got out after his like four years Until this day 30 34 years later he's like I wish I stayed in I wish I stayed yeah. in. I didn't get out things would have been so much easier yep it's a chaotic life a lot of things happen uh- um it really is but it 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 could be the right fit for some people but um so yeah. he went back in how long did he serve for after he went back in
1: um so it was supposed to be until his 20 he had uh he was about halfway through his 20 and it was supposed to be you know until his 20 my mom was fully supportive of him going back in but was like you need to bring home that retirement check mm-hmm. um, like we are, we are doing this fully and so he ended up going on deployment to Afghanistan because this was kind of uh, one of the more heightened times over there. He left to de- for deployment in Afghanistan. He rejoined back in like 2010 February, I want to say, and then August 2011. So almost a year and a half later, he was already up on a deployment, and four months—not even August, September, October, November. 20th 2011 he ended up stepping on an IED while he was over there and so that deployment was cut short and then due to his injuries he couldn't necessarily uh we tried and tried because he wanted to stay in Mm -hmm. but we found that there was too much red tape um due to his injuries he is an amputee um has his left leg is a limb salvage so from his ankle to his groin, he's lost skin, muscle, tissue, nerves, everything. Um, and then, you know, PTSD, TBI, all of those sorts of things that come with, you know, really any deployment.
0: Yeah. And and that's the unfortunate. And so when I said we're getting a little bit different in our in our chat today, we are talking about the dirty knit and gritty of a deployment and the risk of what being that unfortunate that is um injuries and potential ki killed in action soldiers and um I'm curious now that you said that because my husband was deployed in Afghanistan during the same time where were you where was he stationed out of
1: oh goodness uh I might get this wrong but I think Musa Kala
0: or no, like what? Where stateside was he like stationed when oh, he-
1: stateside? Um, he was out of Fort Dix. We were a reserve okay. unit from Twinsburg, Ohio, so he left out of Fort Dix.
0: Yeah, the only reason I asked was because my husband was there, and that was a very rough deployment for them. Um, they yeah. he, they had they were out on recall for a lot of like um rescues. They were out there. Um, my husband also dealt. He 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 was very fortunate so unfortunately for him his his device that the soldier that was standing next to him stepped on did not connect to the, the explosive. um it connected and yeah. it went off so shrapnel came out but um you know it's that is one of military spouses military brats our biggest fear is you know our soldiers getting hurt our soldiers not coming home and that's always a possibility. But you know, how but even like like for instance, like when your soldier comes home, like my husband bad, my husband has bad PTSD um from yeah. his deployment. And so um I know that certain times of the year where certain incidents happen are a little rougher on him. Um, or if we're someplace that has, you know, unexpected like fireworks are a huge trigger. Right. Usually, he's yes. fine on days that he knows it's coming normally, 4th of July. He knows he prepares himself, but if there's any unexpected one, you can I can uh, just see him freeze. And
1: oh, for sure,
0: it's definitely a whole new thing that people have to deal with that a lot of us don't even think about or hope that we don't have to deal with it. And so, how old were you when your dad was injured?
1: I was about nine and a half. Okay, so, so I was still young. relatively young, but you know, at the same point old enough to remember what was going on.
0: Yeah. So what was your experience as a military brat experiencing your dad injured? Um, what was your experience like? Like, you know, do you remember anything specific in terms of like a, a resource or, um, something that was really helpful during that time for you emotionally or like in just terms of in general like something that helped you get through that because
1: that's a huge
0: emotional roller coaster
1: yeah for sure um I think one of the hardest parts honestly of that whole time period was that and I necessarily even speaking towards the injury standpoint but towards the deployment standpoint as a whole um, the hardest thing was that I was not in a military community. Okay, I was in suburb Cleveland, Ohio, you know, which I love and I, I do miss Ohio. And that is, you know, it feels like home when I go back. Um, but that was the hardest thing is I was in a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio, where our unit was 45 minutes away. See, He was reserved. So like, we didn't have that connection. But, you know, like you said, you always have that fear in you no matter how old you are of well I mean maybe not as an infant because you don't understand but once you get that that understanding you always have that fear in you of well is my parent going to come back is my parent going to be the same or is my spouse going to be the same Um, but then once the injury did happen we had the support instantly of friends uh, around us who had you know, a service member as well. A lot of the the unit that was deployed over there and the units that were still in the United States who are still stateside, um, you know, just clung to us um, and made sure we were taken care of in the situation when we needed it most. Um, it was about a month later. So my mom ended up leaving to reconnect with my dad in San Antonio a week after his injury um, when he ended up flying from Germany to, um, to San Antonio from the hospital to the hospital. Um, and so it was a week later, November 27th, my mom got to see him. And then we stayed, me, my younger sister and I stayed in Ohio um, until the end of the school semester. So up until winter break. Um, so that we were able to kind of stick with the same routine. My mom was able to kind of survey the situation of what was going on down there. Uh, She didn't necessarily want me and my sister to see my dad as critical or in such a critical condition like he was. And so that was just like a time period where we were kept apart, um, you know, for for a good reason, because I think it would be much more traumatic for uh, my sister and I uh, have seen my dad in that state um, but once getting to Texas uh, a month later I think we flew down on December 22nd or um, 23rd we ended up flying down so we could spend Christmas with them and then we ended up that was our move uh, that we had spent our last days back in Ohio in that school and my mom was already starting the process to transfer us to the the dodea school on base and so once we got into that environment it was so much better um you know we have uh brook army medical center or san antonio military medical center whichever one you want to call it is located in fort sam and so there's a lot of the traumas that come through there's a lot of uh you know don't want to say normal but there's also the active duty families who are not experiencing injuries and and trauma that we are and so but just being around that um that environment made it so much easier because you know I walk into school and it's like oh yeah my dad's an amputee now and everyone looks at me like I'm crazy like not even understanding what that means um but then being in that environment is was so huge. And then um, Military Child Education Coalition stepped in huge. Um, Camila Antoine, I love her to death. will praise her every single day. Um, She had small groups for uh, various children, but the ones that I experienced were for the kids of um, severely wounded or even just wounded uh, servicemen and women. And so Just being able to be in those environments and have support from an outside organization and kind of, um, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but have something where it was just me because, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily my parents being there. It wasn't my sister being there with me, although she was there uh, when we shared, when we were in the same school, when we were both in elementary school. Um, but especially when I got into the middle school, it was great because it was just me. It was an environment that I could call my own. It was some, somewhere that I felt safe to be able to say, hey, no, this is what I'm really going doing. This is what I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. And there were kids around who understood. And she'd break it up into girls and boys. And so, you know, the girls would experience more emotions. The boys are just like, eh. yeah, um, you know, for the <laughs> most part. Um, you know, they have their emotions too, but handle it in a very different way, especially compared to, you know, becoming teenage girls. Um, and so that was really the biggest thing. I mean, I could go on and on about resources and yeah, what I... helped us and what what worked and what didn't. Um, but that was one of the biggest ones in that moment.
0: Yeah, and I I love that 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 organizations around. Um, I feel like back during that time frame it wasn't actually as big as it is nowadays like now you can find a representative in almost all um so for instance like at Fort Bragg Fort Liberty right now they now have a representative that goes into the schools and all of the surrounding schools off base as well um and holds those 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 groups and you know a lot of people are like oh my husband doesn't deploy or you know or he may deploy or mom mom or dad deploy whatever um and I was just like instantly signed my oldest up um and I was just like yep he can go to the lunchtime meeting I think it would be great for him to connect I as a military brat wish I had that now right when I lived overseas I went to a DOD school so I was it was all military kids. Um, but anytime we live stateside, we always lived off installation. Some of the schools had military kids. Yeah. Some of them, um, you know, didn't have nearly as many because a lot of military people weren't living out where that where we were. And it's so important to utilize those those systems because especially for kids, I feel like if them having a safe space Um, I, as a military kid, I don't remember being. Super worried about my dad. Not the way that yeah. I am about my spouse, like. But I think it's also just an awareness thing. Like, I'm more aware of the potential threats, the potential harm that could come to my service member. Um, as a right. kid, you're like, yeah, dad's the plane. Yeah, he might get hurt. But you know, we were so sheltered as kids. We're sheltered yeah. kids. We you know it wasn't until I got to the a you know, maybe middle school. So I was in middle school when nine eleven happened. so I remember vividly what was happening. Like we went on lockdown over, we, I was stationed overseas. We were um, stationed at Kaiser Slaughter next to Ramstein next to Landstuhl. So we were the largest, one of the largest installations I ever see. So we went on complete lockdown. Um, right. And so I remember all of those different things, like even the following year, the following year, we even went lock, on lockdown as well. And I remember my, my dad did deploy, um, like he was one of the very first, um, people into Iraq when we went into Iraq and he was there for 16 months. And so I think that wow. was my first full awareness of, of, um, like the danger and like the potential like threat my, my dad had deployed before he had deployed to Kosovo. He, he was a ranger. So he deployed to other parts of the world. But before that, it was just never, I guess, I don't know if it wasn't just talked about until after nine 11 and after nine 11, when that, when Iraq and when we went into Iraq and in Afghanistan, you became more aware of those particular right. and things like that um but i was I, and this is so bad for me to say but i joked because my husband and my dad both were deployed to afghanistan during that time frame but yeah. my husband's mos and my dad's mos and so my dad at that time was retention and so he was just living his best best life at cabal you know the larger <laughs> installations wasn't going out on field patrols and things like that where my husband yeah. was on the border, mortars being rained on them every single night, like just not a fun experience. And um, and I was just like, my dad's fine. I'm worried about my husband. And so right. Um, but it's definitely one of those things where, you know, it's not talked about a lot, like, you know, what are the potential risks? You know, what what happens if your service member is injured or killed? Um, you know, we see in the movies where you know someone may see it on the news which unfortunately that's the suckiest part that that is still something that happens today right. um you know the, the service member comes up to the door um with the chaplain or things like that and so um or like what happens like if your service member gets injured like what's the next step and so um, I wanted to kind of go over a couple of different things. Like, you know, what are things that you can prepare yourself for a deployment? Like, if you know, you're going on a deployment, um, my number one advice is make sure that you are connected with, with that, um, key spouse in your group, whether it's an FRG leader, uh, if it, I believe air force is key spouse, I don't know what Marine yep. and, and Navy are called. Um, but having that connection with one person. You don't have to be friends with them. It's just making sure that you know that you're in contact. A number one, if you are leaving and going out of town, you want to make sure that someone has your updated information so if something does happen, they know how to get a hold of you in the quickest way possible. Um I've I've seen that happen where we've had to notify somebody and they're not where they're where they're not at home. They've not been home for days, not answering phone calls. Um, no. and the goal is to make sure we get the, the goal for those people on Mir D, um, or those people who are giving those official notifications is to make sure we get that information to you as quickly as possible. I also personally think everyone should get passports made. Yes. Um, even, even if, I mean, there's ways around it, getting a passport expedited, but if your service member is is injured enough to where they can't travel and they're stuck at launch stool or another another installation base and you want to go over there, it's it's not gonna be a hey, I'm leaving today to get on a plane. Um you're gonna have to get a passport. Um I just think it's always a safe thing too for military spouses just to have a passport just in case. Um right. and that's also I mean I can that one's it's a budget thing too. So that's definitely something that you have to discuss with your service member, like, this is this something that we can put into our budget, things like that. Um, but then, like you said, like, your dad was down at the hospital in in Texas, and he was there for a while. And that's the same thing. It could be there at Walter Reed, um, they'll usually they send him to like a couple of different places. I think it depends on where you're stationed at, um, on where your location you go to. Um, and that could be months and months. So, you know, how are you going to handle that? How, you know, if you have kids, what are you going to do with that? There's so much that goes into play and that's not things that you really talk about, but it's definitely, if you know that you're going someplace, um, that, that potential risk is a lot higher. It's definitely something that you want to have that conversation about.
1: Right. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, you mentioned the passports like my mom, unfortunately, because of the way my dad's situation was, he was an army guy attached to a Marine unit. So they called it into casualty affairs and casualty affairs took care of, you know, the notification process and we should have gotten somebody um, knocking at our door when the incident occurred um but we ended up getting a phone call instead um so that was just a messy process but one thing that as soon as it happened they were like do you have a passport and you know at the time we had never been out of the country you know my mom did not have a passport and so they were uh they were trying to get my dad to the states as fast as possible because Mm -hmm. that's just you know when incidents like this occur they try to you know, speed the process along, but sometimes, you know, that's just not possible. And they have to keep, um, you know, the service members in, in Germany for a much longer period. And so that's when the passports are huge. And they were trying to get her an expedited passport, but they were also trying to get my dad here. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want their, their paths to cross in the air. Um, and so she Because of my dad's situation and his injuries, they were able to quickly stabilize him to where he could fly. Um, At the time, flights only left Germany on Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday, I believe. And so it was, you know, the medical, medical flights that he would have needed to have been on. And so he was supposed to be on the Friday flight, but missed it. Um, They couldn't get his, they couldn't stabilize him fully to um, get him over. They were fearing that they would have had to innovate him mid-flight. And that just was not um, a good idea. So they were trying to (laughs) to just get that um, where they felt confident and safe with him traveling. So they did wait till Sunday. Um, And my mom, you know, thankfully, because they were trying to rapidly get him over to the States, um, uh, they didn't need to fly her over to Germany but that is a huge thing that you know you don't even think about you don't is, do you need do I need something for if something does happen and I know it is a lot of money but like it is a hundred dollars um like hundred two hundred dollars that is easy to like just stick in the budget somewhere and okay. say okay where it's like that safety thing and they're good for 10 years. So yeah. it's so I exactly. you know, it is it pays off.
0: Yeah, I um I this so my husband had, you know, deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan um in the 2009 to 2012 timeframe, um two different deployments and then more recently was in Afghanistan for the evacuations and I probably think that was the first one where I was just like, "Ooh, I I probably need to go to the the passport office and, you know, make sure we have everything ready to go. Um, cause you know, especially with today's world, you never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, as a military family, it would be great to have it. Cause I mean, you can utilize that passport and use class A uh, or space A flights to go on a trip or something, but it's just, it's just a safety net. Like if you, if you need it, you have it there, but if you don't have it, then, you're not worrying about that stress of getting to your service member as quickly as possible. And what is great. And like you said, most of the time, if they're stable enough, they're getting them back as quickly as possible. Um, So that way those who are more critical condition can be seen at those base at the hospitals in Germany. Um, But there's just so much that goes into it. Um, You know, what's great about the, the, the military is they do have a, system into place, but a lot of times it doesn't work. Like you said, you guys got a phone call. Um right. when we were active so one of the activations in the past in this past couple years was to Iraq when the embassy was um ambushed um or was being oh and um we had a service member who got injured, um didn't get shot, but he slid down an embankment into this mud pit and fractured his femur. Um and they had to evacuate him, him out. He had to have surgery. Um, ended up getting medically discharged. But um, my spouse didn't find out in the right proper proper channels at all. They actually heard from another spouse. And so, wow. um, my next thing is
1: <laughs> please,
0: please, 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 for the love of God do not say anything to anybody until you have received an official notification from your rear D um almost every unit will send out a official notification saying hey we did have this happen um if you've heard it through the rumor meal this is we have notified the family um please keep them in their thoughts and prayers however they may word it depending on the command team um but please if you hear through the rumor meal a don't call that spot If you have questions, that's why it's where it's important to reach out to that, that key contact, whether it's an FRG leader, it's um, a person on rear D command team, someone who is going to be able to say yes or no, because finding out from somebody other than the official chain of command is going to send whatever spouse into a tailspin. They're going to be like, is this true? I found out because the spouse called me. The spouse called me and was just like, hey, so-and-so just called me and said that my husband was hurt. And I'm like, what? Um, And so, I mean, it was fun for me because I got to lay into everybody about how awful and wrong and everything that this was. But like, I was like, this isn't okay. And then also like, you know, um, making sure your service member understands that if they're tasked to fly home with somebody to make sure that they're following the chain of command um and protocols um not updating a spouse when you've been told to update the spouse not okay either that was another issue we had um and unfortunately that's that's <sighs> it's the military we all know things don't go according to plan we have people who yes. don't always do what they're supposed to do um but when it comes to something like this make sure you're taking that job seriously um if you're a family member uh have grace um, be respectful and make sure you wait until you hear that official notification from somebody that that is indeed something that happened. And just don't go so st- don't go spreading rumors. Um, if you don't know yeah. for sure that it is true, because I know for myself I would not want to find out from another spouse <laughs> that my service member is yeah. injured. Um, especially if it's not a key spouse or someone who should know the official information. Um, beforehand. So, um, there's, you know, it's important to go to those deployment briefs. If you're on a deployment or if you're on an IRF cycle, um, they are always, 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 always going to share information, different resources. Um, you know, if you're home and you have an emergency, what are those official, um, ways to make sure that your service member gets in contact. Obviously the first one is, is to do a red cross, but there are very various rules for the red cross. Like what qualifies? Um, Again, it's important to have that contact with that key caller because 90% of the time that key caller is part of the command team spouse, or they have a direct line to the command team overseas um, or on a deployment, whether it's, the government phone or they have a direct line to the rear D who can get in touch with. So if there's some type of issue, they're your best bet to get the information to your spouse. As well as if something happens, they're gonna be your number one person to go to if you have questions that you want to feel more comfortable talking to a spouse rather than someone in a suit. Um right. or the or the care team. Um did you guys have a care team assigned to you guys?
1: Um, So because we were reserved, there's a whole other, you know, situation. Um, We didn't necessarily have a care team assigned to us. My mom was part of the FRG team. Um, So she was part of that. Um, I will say, though, um, when we were notified of my dad's injuries, the unit had not been notified of his injuries yet. We were the first to be notified. Um, So I was actually the one at nine years old. To call and notify the unit that one of their soldiers had been uh, injured, like the, and the then rear D. obviously, and um, that's crazy the,
0: to me that they they haven't been given that notification.
1: Yeah, and so like even those um, who were overseas with my dad when he got injured, you know, were not aware of the, the situation. The um, be- it was it was like I said a mess because he was attacked. He was an Army guy. Army there were three of them attached to a Marine unit. Um, and so they called in the um, the incident um, and casualty affairs went, I don't even know what to do because this is, you know, an Army guy attached to a Marine unit. Um, and so, yeah, I was the one who called in saying, um, you know, I really said, Uh, you know my dad got hurt like we need you to come over to the house right now like we have an emergency um so it was a different process and uh and now that you did have the whole support around us
0: yeah and now that you say that so when my husband was deployed in Afghanistan um we got calls too so their um their fob that they were staying at was Mm -hmm. just hammered by mortars and. Um, with like no warning, so thankfully, I don't believe anyone um in our units were were injured or killed we I think our attachment um I believe we had um attachment from Belgium or something with us, and um mm-hmm. but they were i mean, my husband was blasted back, had a severe concussion um several other people were the same way, and um, they started doing calls from the centers there saying, Hey, your service member has been injured. Yeah. And I remember getting a phone call. I didn't get the call because I immediately got a call- phone call from my husband saying, Hey, I'm calling you real quick. Please start calling down the roster. Cause I was part of the FID. Like call, please call the roster down or tell everyone that we're fine. No one's hurt. We just all have, yeah. we all just got concussions. Um, and um, no one seriously injured. please don't don't listen to what they're saying. And it was just one of those like it was da, 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 hung up like there was no nothing. Yeah. and it was just like, oh my gosh, like why are they calling us like this? And so right that might
1: have just been a like people...
0: a weird thing that was happening Sorry. in in that like year because yeah, um because that's crazy. Well,
1: um... A lot of people don't realize that when these incidences occur, it automatically goes into a 72, 72 hour blockout. Mm-hmm. So there's no contact in or out. Yeah. Um, you know, to prevent like you were saying, a lot of those rumors from spreading yeah. and going around and false information. And that's that's the time where, you know, it's uh, inform the families, inform yeah. the families that directly in contact. Um we had incidences with that but um yeah well and, know, and that's,
0: that's a that's good point for. to say that well that's a good point to say because in recent times that's not been the case you know typically in mm-hmm. the past on deployments if there is at least been a, a kia like if there's been someone who's been yes. killed there is a 72 hour blackout for that unit so that's why you'll always hear no news is good news if you do not hear anything yes. that means that person's okay um now, I will say though, in the last couple of years, I have felt, especially with these rapid activation deployments, where there's such a heavy media presence, mm-hmm. that has not been the case. Um, I guarantee, yeah, because
1: we're getting that immediate those, turnaround.
0: Mm-hmm, um, you know, all of those service members that were killed in Afghanistan during the evacuation, um we were all waiting. We were all waiting to, to find out whether that was our service. member. There was kind of a, there was already a blackout in terms of like, we weren't really communicating with our service members over there. There was a few select, like, you know, I heard from the command team, um, as the FRG leader, um, a couple of times just to get some, just to get notes to pass on. Um, but mm-hmm. in terms of no one had phones because those app rapid activations as phones were left behind, um, type of thing so those who had phones were the only like the command team who had like military government phones and so um but we were all all of us like it was already broadcasted on the news they didn't broadcast names at first but it had already been broadcasted that there were service members that were killed and so everybody was just kind of like holding their tongues and of course everyone's calling and and asking questions and things like that and like it's going real time so I'm like every like this is real time. Like I have no information for you guys. Um the best I can tell you is just stand by. And that is that is very different from Afghanistan and Iraq where the news coverage and when there was a um an issue or even if someone was injured, there was that 72 hour no one's allowed to use the phones, no one's allowed to use the computers until that family was officially notified. Um it's a different army. I mean, that was, that was a decade ago from like yeah. the of Afghanistan and technology
1: I- is growing.
0: Well, even the way they communicate nowadays, yeah. like, you know, I remember having to write letters and it was just email and maybe Skype, if we happen, happen to have good reception. Um, nowadays, it's yeah. like you, it, it's, it's much easier to communicate which is great but it's also like way it's a lot easier for people to get information back quickly that may not right shouldn't be sent back per those channels so it's just have grace if you're listening you know be respectful feel free to reach out to the like the command teams the the rear d and ask if there's something you can help if you find out about somebody being injured um But, you know, the families, um, at least Army side, families are given the option to have a care team. They're they're given an option to have someone there to help them answer phones, help, you know, facilitate anything. Um, But they also have the option is like, no, I don't want anyone here. Or I want this person here and this is the only person I want here. Um, It's a heavy emotion. I I hate to say this, but I, I know people who have been killed in action. Um, I know Mm -hmm. several gold star families. It's, it's, it's something we don't want to talk about, but it's something that these, these hard conversations are something that you should have with your service member. Should we have passports in the event of something does happen? Do you want me to come or do you want me to wait till you get stateside? Um, you know, talk about you know if you do get killed what happens like what are you like there's hard questions but unfortunately in this line of duty they are something that you should have the conversation of or at least say hey my will is here um or this is you know what i would like x y and z um and making sure that you guys have those written beforehand especially with irf taking over and that becoming the new norm um where these rapid activations happen and you could be gone in eight hours 16 hours 20 hours um making sure that you guys have these things up to date and you have those conversations but utilize the resources that are out there um ask yeah if if you don't even know yeah i mean even if you don't even know what to ask the chaplain, whether you are a religious person or not, is going to have an abundance of information in regards to whether if you want to volunteer and help out some way, or, um, hey, my service member got is injured, what are some of the next steps we can take? You though that would be my probably my first person to say, hey, reach out to because they're going to know resources yeah. like, hey. This resource can help you with lodging. This resource can help you with child care. This resource can help you, um, you know, if you need help modifying your home because your service member is now in a wheelchair or whatever it may be. Um, There is a lot out there. Unfortunately, sometimes you have to ask those questions to get the answers. And that's unfortunate. I feel like that should be like, hey, here's here these are your these are your soldiers and injuries these are all the resources that we pulled that we think could be beneficial to you and there may be people out there that do that um but sometimes you have to make the questions and ask and that can be hard if you're in the in the midst of it so having a knowledge of at least who to go talk to could at least help you in the right way
1: yeah and having you know we always say and you know in a jokingly matter too but as a child you know from the child's perspective but then also from the spouse's perspective of you're not given a handbook you're not you know told how to do this life and exactly what what resources to use and how to you know take care of what you need to take care of um you just have to kind of navigate it on your own and asking those questions are so important. Um, That's how we, you know, got through what we had to, and, you know, we were a reserve family and reserve families don't PCS. Mm -hmm. And so when it came time to say, Hey, you know, you're going to be here for quite a while doing your recovery and rehab, they ruined PCS us. they cut our orders one day shy um of pcs so we would get 179 day orders not 180 and they would renew it every single time and my mom was like why do we not get that like why do we not get the same treatment that these active duty families are getting yeah Um, you know the -the state-of-the-art care yeah that you know my husband you know my dad deserves
0: yeah and that's a good point because you know I I coming from an active duty side um I you know I would have just assumed that the reserve side would have the same type of treatment things like that and so that's right. just another like another step like you have to figure out what your branch does where are your resources for your branch specifically because there are going to be differences between those um and also just maybe knowing some outside organizations like locally from where you live, like if you are a reserve family and you were obviously you're stationed all over the country or you're you're in your home, home, uh, home states all across the country, not near an installation and you are on your own essentially. And that could be that, that alone is just hard. Like I could understand where you're coming from. Like it was yeah. hard to connect and it was hard for people to understand what you guys were going through, because even just being on a active duty assignment outside of military installation, and just being like, oh yeah, I don't like you know on a recruiting duty or ROTC duty, like it could be isolating because you don't have anyone that knows what you're going through. So
1: right, when yeah, you're,
0: when you're in a location specifically for reserve families, um, or for those families who, um are not connected to the military for whatever reason, whether they choose to or not make sure that you also know your local resources that could help you in a time like this. Um, Most large cities are going to have some type of veteran program that could potentially provide support. Um, But connecting with those services, like, I don't know, I guess like you might not know this answer, but um, the reserves have like programs like um, ACS, like where they had. Oh, I'm trying to think of like the like the army community services or, um, like you guys have they have FRG, so I'm assuming they would have like support from an FRG like coordinator.
1: Yeah, we had um FRG, um but, you know, at the same point, our unit was 45 minutes away, so, and people would commute from all over um, to go, and so, it was, our resources mainly fell under FRG, and I could be mistaken, too, um, but I believe most of our resources fell under the FRG, but, you know, also, most big cities will have Uh, some sort of USO. And so that's another huge resource right there too. Um, Yes, we did have yellow ribbons. um, And so that was, uh, you know, very helpful too. And, uh, you know, helpful from both aspects of the deployment, but then, you know, once you experience an injury, you don't really get the other half of the the yellow ribbon activities. Yeah. So um, you get the first half, which is great and, you know, helpful to prepare for whatever could happen. Um, but resources wise from our reserve unit, I think that was pretty much it. But I don't want to, you know, give a definite answer on that because yeah. I was so young. Well, and, um, and that's but that's what I remember.
0: Yeah. And that's interesting because like FRG is all volunteer based. So that is, you know, typically military classes right. volunteering their time on um, maybe at least one service member who is there coordinating. Uh, I would probably assume there was probably a chaplain in there somewhere. Um, um probably. Yeah. Not that I was aware of,
1: but probably.
0: Typically they have a, There's
1: gotta have been one.
0: Typically they have a chaplain who or someone within the chaplain services is assigned. Um and that partly because they come with all the resources. Um, but yeah, you right. have to understand that each branch is different. And so um, I'm kind of shocked. I, I might have to do some research on on those resources for our, our reserve families, our National Guard families. Um, active duty is going to be very different. And so it's important to ask those questions. If you guys have deployment briefs, please go to them. I They, are, yes. they can be completely a waste of time. They could be. If you've done it a thousand times, it's the same information. It's the same information, but it's gonna be different contacts. So you wanna make sure you get those contact names. Um most of the ones I've gone to in the past have have had a point of contact for each of the resource branches. Um, you know, rear D, who to contact if if you have an issue. Um, you know also, you know, during deployments, you know, you qualify for more things. Um, I don't know how it is on the Reserve National Guard side, but you know military army at least army side you know we qualify for some free child care during a deployment it's not a lot but it's a little um you know there's different <laughs> things there's a lot of things that you know if you don't go and if you don't ask questions you won't know what you get what we qualify for and you know again biggest thing is you know make sure that if something happens you're waiting to hear about the official notification from the command team before start making phone calls and things like that. Um, And then, you know, do something nice, a meal train, Um, you know, offer to do housework, you know, everyone's different. Um, You know, some people may not want a person to come inside their house. Somebody may be like, this is stressing me out. I need someone to help me handle this. Um, you You know, accept what you want. Um, but also if you're a family who's offering help to somebody, don't take offense if they say no. Um, again, even if you're, even if the service member is just injured, that, that the, the swell of emotions that are coming from that person are going to be all over the place. And some people may just not want anyone in their home. Um, Just be there and say, hey, I'm here if you need anything. Or, hey, we're going to bring you dinner. We'll drop it off. Yeah. Don't worry about it. We'll ring the doorbell, put it on your stairs, or I'll text you when it's on your door. Like, there's so many ways yeah. that you can help a family, but also just not be up in their face. Because, you know, I feel like a lot of times, like, you know, when there's a death in the family or things like that, or in just general, everyone handles it differently. Everybody handle stress differently um so we say this all the time on everything have grace have grace whether you're trying to offer help have grace um if you feel like you're not getting enough support because you are going to have to ask questions it may take you some time to be able to get to that point but at some point you'll be able to ask those questions and just know that there's a whole network of spouses and military kids out there who are going to be able to give you that information when when, and if you need it, um, especially here at Deployed Love. That's what we're here for. We're here to help you build a connection and help you find the things that you need during all all the walks of life of military, whether you are a Gold Star family or you are a, a family member uh, or family that's transitioned out because you're getting medically bored because of an injury or you're in the middle, the thicket, and you're in a deployment or you're home just in the everyday life. We're here for you guys. That's um, why we started the podcast. So we had another way to get information out to everybody. Um, Grace has her podcast talking to all other types of military brats growing up from different ages. I think you talk about other things as well. We, you know, there are so many resources out there that we just hope that you just reach out to us. Um, it may be better to talk to strangers too. So, you know, it it could be hard talking to the FRG leader of your unit and knowing like her husband's safe and yours isn't like, it's okay to say, Hey, I need someone else to talk to you. Um, so we typically ask like our spouses, if they have any, like, what's their most important advice, but as a military brat, And who has been someone who has gone through this type of experience. Um, What is like one thing that you would say you would have preferred happened to you or like your number one tip or both, whatever you want (laughs) to do.
1: You know, it's always so hard to, you know, sum sum it up into one thing and, you know, I always laugh because people ask me when I come on other podcasts, but so it's the same thing I always ask them. Um so but I think uh one thing is you know and this can go both to to military brats and spouses and just you know military families in general but don't ever feel like you're alone. Mm-hmm. Um sometimes it's uh just putting yourself out there moving to a new place, you have to put yourself out there. Um, so you get, uh, it's that theory of you reap what you sell. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to constantly put yourself out there, then you will get, you know, friendships and uh, lasting relationships in return. And so just being, putting yourself out there, being genuine with other people, it's so important to do that especially um, when you're going through a situation like this, because if you don't put yourself out there, you're going to feel so alone, so isolated. Uh, Because, you know, we were going through a very traumatic experience. And like I said, in Cleveland, there weren't many people going through that same thing. And so it was hard to relate to those people. But once we got to Texas, and we put ourselves out there, and, you know, I would go to and say, Hey, you know, like, um, you know the normal m- question that gets asked when you move to a new school is how'd you get here like why are you here right um, and you Where'd know you come we're from? all stationed exactly um, and so we would have those conversations and I'd be like oh yeah my dad got hurt um, you know really badly and so that's how I ended up here and I'm from Cleveland and you know the whole rundown but then you find that somebody else has something in common with you maybe they had yeah exactly maybe they had been to Ohio before from Ohio I don't know um but there were so many who were going through injuries like I was and so that was huge to be able to relate um to that and then you know I lost contact with many of those friends but then eight years later when we reconnected on social media like it's it's like the friendship never yeah, and and that's what ended.
0: Yeah, and that's the beauty of being a part of the military community is no matter where you go, you'll you'll have someone who's going through the same experience as you, and you can connect. And that's why we we yeah. preach, find your tribe. Find even if it's just one person, find one person where if something crazy happens or or whatever, you have a person that you solely trust to be there, and they know how to be there for you, whether it's, you're going to sit there and huddle in bed and watch Grey's Anatomy and cry your heart out. yes, Or yes, your kids have somebody who they can connect with and, and talk with and, and be able to share their feelings with, because they're not going to share your feelings with, with, with your parents. Like, like they, you, our parents, like we wish our kids would do, but you know, finding, right. time, um, it is so important to have that. And I can, I can't like I'm currently right now not near military installation and I can understand that isolation and feeling how hard it is to not have that tribe network or someone who is experiencing what I'm experiencing um or knows what it's like to be a military spouse or a kid but yeah. it's one of those things where you do have to find your tribe and you and it's important for these type of situations, whether it's an injury state side, because we know those happen too, or if it's an yeah. injury from a deployment, um, it's a dangerous job. Um, no matter what MOS you are in the military, there's always that potential risk. And so, um, it, it's so important to have a person or two or three or a whole tribe and it's not important just for you, but it's important for your kids. If you have kids as well, they need to be able to vent with their friends. Like, I'm so tired of my dad being gone. I'm so tired of my mom, you know, having to work on weekends. Like she doesn't get to come to my basketball game. Like they need that frustration and they need to know that they're, they're not alone as well. Um, that yeah. was my biggest thing as a kid growing up. I I really did. I hated it at the time, but now that I look back, I, I really do appreciate being stationed overseas as a teenager because I was solely surrounded by military kids. So we were able to kind of all (laughs) feed off of each other and we were all going through the same thing. Um, I only had a few friends that were not part of that military lifestyle. They were either like DOD teachers, kids, or a DOD contractor or a contractor with another organization, but majority of them, were
1: right.
0: all, we're all going through it. And I think those, those programs, um, if you have a military child, a hundred percent encourage them to participate in those programs at the schools or find them a group of people, a group of friends that are military that they connect to. So whether it's through another military organization that's holding like summer camps for military kids or something like that. Like make sure that they have their tribe too, because it's important. Yes. And they're going to be what gets you through the hard times.
1: For sure. Because you have to rely on, on what you can during those times. And sometimes it's just that alone and you have to make it work.
0: Yeah. So thanks so much for coming on. Um, Yes. it's definitely like, you know, we usually don't get into the sad parts of things on the podcast, but there are some things that are not fun to talk about that we have to chat about every once in a while. And I encourage oh. everyone listening to have those conversations with your service member, you know, have those like, what would you want to do if this happens? Um, That doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it's always good to be prepared because then when you're prepared, you're not flying by the seat of your pants you're not going like what the fuck sorry for the the language but you're <laughs> like what is happening and because if you have a plan you can be like i have a plan like this is like you know you can hand it off to somebody or you can say no we talked about this this is what we decided that i'm not going to go or i'm going to go i have my passport when can we book my flight um because all that comes into play and so you you know if you have those discussions and you're prepared you may not do the flight like because we all do like in 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 high state cases it's what uh freeze run I don't remember what it is oh goodness so we all do different things so like (laughs) if you freeze or you fly or you oh it's a freeze fly, fight fight, something like that yeah something like that but (laughs) I think it's a forest freeze fly fight um so you know if you're prepared, you might be able to handle the experience better. If you're not prepared, it may send you into a tailspin of like, I don't know what to do. There's just so much to do. So have those conversations with your service members, have those conversations with your, with your tribe, you know, have those, Hey, like we discussed this, like, you know, if something happens, this is what I need to do. So if, if I shut down, this is how you get me out of it. Or, um, What will be the most helpful to me is if something happens, just take the kids, take the kids and go take them, have them do something fun so I can spend a couple hours processing and figuring out what to do next. Um, Have those conversations. They're not fun. But in the long run, if something happens, you'll be glad that you had those conversations so you know what to do and those around you know what and how to support you. Um. Do you have any last bits that you want to say before we end for the night?
1: Oh, goodness. I think we captured a lot of it. And I think it's so important, you know, just echoing what you said. Have your tribe, have your people around you. And, you know, really be confident in lifestyle. And I think that, I think you'll be set up for success then.
0: Yeah. So if you are a fellow military brat, or if you're looking for another podcast to listen to make sure you guys check out grace of the military child in life and we'll have that linked in our in our notes and you know as we always say when it's you know at the end of our show Ruck up buttercup